0: to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Gluck and I'm here at Bristol Motor Speedway with Aaron Bearden of Kicking the Tires. Aaron how are you? If I can wake up I'll be great. This Dr. Pepper really needs to start kicking in. How about you Jeff? I'm doing awesome Aaron because I'm on west coast time still so even as we record this right around 1 a.m. eastern time it's only 10 p.m back in portland and this was a two-day weekend so i wasn't really here long enough i don't think to get used to eastern time and with the night races there had i had no reason to so i'm okay i'm good I'll, I'll i can carry the load in
1: this if you need me to and you know maybe i should just sit back here quiet kind of plan my trip i'm trying to get home tonight i'm on indiana time so maybe maybe that's a good idea maybe it should just be a solo podcast and i'll just chime in every now and then so i'm delaying you from your long road trip you're trying to go all the way how many hour drive do you have ahead of you tonight Probably seven and a half to eight, which actually isn't that bad when you put it into context of the fact that I drove back from the Daytona 500 back in February in one trip. So I've done worse. Okay, but you're only having a Dr. Pepper right now, I noticed. Don't you need something stronger? Are you a coffee drinker? Yes and no it has to be good coffee So I'm really going to have to play my odds Because it's pretty much just gas station coffee From here on home But if I can pull something out of my pocket I'll see if I can do it If not I'll just drink water and Maybe dump some over my head If I really start struggling <laughs> I don't know that dumping water over your head To stay awake on an 8 hour drive After a
0: Bristol race When you're not even going to be leaving till at least 1.30am uh, I don't know if that's
1: a good strategy The dumping water strategy Are you sure about this? I mean, of course, comes to worst, You gotta do what you gotta do to get the job done. But you know, just whatever makes the job work, I'm all for it.
0: Is pulling off on the side of the road and taking a nap uh, one of your options?
1: I've done that in the past, yes, only once. I was coming home from Gateway last year. Somehow, the thrill of the John West Townley Spencer Gallagher fight wasn't quite enough to carry me home, so I pulled a nap off then. But usually, I don't get tired on car rides. I'll make it home in one piece. Okay. Well,
0: let's get through this podcast so that you can get home. Now uh, we saw, you know, I don't even know if anybody's going to listen to this podcast because Kyle Bush won and Kyle Bush pisses everybody off. He um, after he won, he, he he gets up on top of his car and he does the sweep with the broom. He cupped his ears for more noise. And then as the fans increased their booing, which was already very loud, and he held up the three sign and it wasn't, um, you know, three for Dale. It was the three as in I just swept the the trifecta man, people hate this guy. And, and I feel like, uh, they're, they probably don't even want to hear anything more about this race. If that's the case. But, um, I personally think we're watching greatness here. I mean, I think that the more, the more stuff he does, the more, the longer this goes on, it is funny to me how he, he tweaks everybody. And I, I, I find that kind of hilarious. I wrote about that in my, um, column on jeffgluck.com, but, I just think we're watching something special here and in a sport where we're all kind of wondering, man, you know, what's what's the next thing going to be? Who are we going to watch? You know, is this going to be interesting anymore? I I feel like he's a huge character. Uh, Obviously, people hate him. He's like a wrestling heel, but he's
1: like the most interesting person right now. Am, Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, and I'll tell you I have a backstory that kind of links to this when I was a little kid back in actually it was two thousand and one, I was a childhood Dale senior fan when we had the accident happen in o one and as a kid, that pushes you away from the sport a little bit. you know your distance, your favorite guy, your hero's gone so one of the things I started watching in that little downtime where I didn't watch as much was wrestling and it, it almost felt perfect watching this tonight because I just watched Kyle do what so many wrestlers do in WWE and what was then W W F and that's a he finally just took the full heel turn. He even went like straight triple H and was spewing the drink out of his mouth on top of his car. It was it was something beautiful to see, you know? <laughs> I mean I know a lot of people don't like him, but that, that villainous aspect to him adds a level of intrigue that you don't always find in this sport, especially now when everybody seems to be family. They've all got kids playing with each other, and they all get along so well almost. It's it's almost nice to have that little villain in the sport, somebody that people can root against as much as they root for. I just hope he can keep with kayfabe because Sam posts all these cute things of him on Instagram, and it ruins the image sometimes. That's funny. Well,
0: uh it's interesting to me how this has sort of evolved because so Kyle Busch comes in, people don't like him and he made everybody, you know, really, really not like him with the whole Ron Hornaday thing uh, in the truck series that that was pretty bad. And, you know, he got suspended for that and and all this stuff. Well, you know, he had other incidents along the way, like driving the Lexus too fast or whatever. And, um, just being generally not classy enough or, or showing enough, enough grace. But, Um, I think since he married Sam, especially since he had Brexton and broke his leg and all that stuff, he had shown sort of a different image in in 2015, 2016. He had sort of built himself back up. I think he was starting to change some minds. People were like, maybe this guy's not bad. Well, then um, this year, he seemed to have made some steps backwards with the everything's great. Everything's great. You know, the punching thing and then the the dropping the mic after the Austin Dillon thing. Uh, to to Bob Pockers' question that has become a meme, you know all that stuff, and and so it was suddenly like he just figured, you know what? No, we, I'm I'm never gonna get people to like me, and now I feel like he's embracing it. Whereas before, that seemed to bother him a lot more. I feel like, and I remember one time he got mad at me um, because I had, I used to do this Gluckometer thing where I would do crowd noise rankings, and um, I I wrote that he got booed by his hometown fans in Las Vegas. Like that was my headline and he was, uh, upset. Um, like, cause he, I, I feel like he disputed that or something. And, and there, there was a lot of booze, but you know, they, I feel like they've just stopped, uh, caring about that part now. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, we get booze, but there's a lot of fans too. And,
1: um, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting how it's evolved. Yes, I agree with that. And in its own weird way, and this is this is going to make a lot of people love me, I'm sure, when I say this, but he almost reminds me of Dale Jr. in a sense that, you know, Jr. for the longest time seemed like he struggled to come to terms with the fact that I am my father's son, but I am my own person. I'm not necessarily going to live up to everyone's expectations, and that's fine. And that took him a long time. And he finally came to realize it in these last few years, and we've seen him open up and become this sort of social me- social pariah, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I kind of see that same thing with Kyle now, where it's a sense of like, I mean, he has his moments where he's a great guy, but he is who he is on the track, and he's started to kind of embrace that role and embrace who he is as a person, and I know it ruffles a lot of feathers and rubs some people the wrong way, but to me, when I watch Kyle around the racetrack, even though he is kind of brusque with his quotes sometimes, and there are those moments, I think overall he seems more comfortable to me. He really feels like he's being genuine and being himself. And it might not be what everybody's looking for, but it, it makes him a more interesting person to follow, I think, in a lot of respects. And it makes every interview with him a little more, I guess, interesting to look through and kind of peel back another layer of him, which is good because it seems like we're interviewing him almost every week right now because he keeps winning everything. Right. Well, I'm first of all, I'm glad you came back to a uh –
0: a, a fair point on that or a point that made sense because as soon as you said you compared him to uh, Kyle Bush or t- you compared him to Dale jr. I thought that people that were listening in their car might drive off the road or something. So I was worried about that, but you made a, a very good point. And I, I agree. You know, it's, it's, it's all about um, being comfortable in your own skin. And uh, he's obviously just like, you know, this is who I am deal with it. It, it reminds me of the sign that people still send around. Um, from the little girl holding up a sign in the 2010 Bristol sweep that Kyle Busch did here at Bristol. And, it, you know, it was like, I think it said, Kyle Busch rules, deal with it. And that's just how, I think that's his attitude now. It's taken a while, but that's sort of what it's evolved into. Now, um, would you consider him, you know, as much as we talked about Truex this season, would you consider him a, a championship favorite over Truex at this moment?
1: Oh, man, that'd be difficult to say. I mean, Truex has been so strong every week, and Bush has really come on as of late, especially over the late summer. But Truex is still there every week, except for tonight he had kind of a weird night. He had that deal where he got set back. But overall, I still think Truex is probably the go-to just because he's going to have so many playoff points and such an advantage. But if Bush can kind of keep building up his own playoff point total and get to Homestead, I think he's just as much of a threat as Truex is.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because right now you look at it and Martin Truex Jr. has 35 playoff points. Kyle Bush got his 20th playoff point tonight. Now, Kyle uh, Truex is going to win the regular season championship, so he's going to get another 15, which would take him up to 50. Kyle Busch, uh would get 10, I think, for second place, which he's in right now, although he's in a close battle with Larson. But if he gets second place, then that's 10 for him, so he goes up to 30. Well, that's 20-point advantage, but that's not as big as, like, the 50-point advantage that Truex will have on other people. So, 20 points you can overcome in a three-race round. I mean, that's you you can do that if, if somebody has a little bit of trouble um, in, in, in in even one race. So, that that should be interesting. I don't know. You know, they're both looking really good right now. I do think, even though Larson won at Michigan, that he's fallen off a little bit. I thought he was going to have a better performance tonight than ninth. He was up there a little bit at times, and he did lead for a while, but it just wasn't quite the, the Larson performance. So, and, and as strong as the Toyotas are right now, I, I feel like I'm looking at a Toyota being the champion this year.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with you, and I think Kurt Busch kind of summed it up tonight. He kind of pulls that top five out of thin air with the strategy, and it's the best run he's had in a long time. He comes out and he says, yeah, we were best in class. And I feel like that's kind of what this has become down the summer. The Toyotas are just – so strong every week and it seems like they're always the team to go through and even when you get a win like Casey Kane at Indy for example it's because the Toyotas found a way to take themselves out They've just they've come on so strong. It really feels like that early 2016 feel all over again when Gibbs was winning every week and Truex was in contention. Now you've, you've even got Eric Jones up there battling for victories. I mean, they're all right there, and it's going to be so hard to topple because if one or two of them are doing good, like when it was just Truex running good, if he has an issue or falls back a little bit okay, you've got to battle, and that's where you'd see guys like Larson them winning. But if there's three or four of them up front, like we had tonight with Kenseth and Jones and Hamlin, that's just almost too much of a gap to overcome. Well,
0: you mentioned Eric Jones, so let's touch on him because
1: he deserves uh, to be mentioned in this
0: conversation. I think he drove the best race of his life. Maybe tonight. Um, He led uh, 260 laps, nine different times he led. I mean, he would lose the lead at times and go up and get it back. He, I thought he was chasing down Kyle Busch at the end there and uh, just didn't quite have enough. But really good run for him. It was consistent. He seemed to put everything together tonight. And I was really thinking for a while there, oh, man, this is going to shake up the picture, the playoff picture big time. Because uh, right now as it stands, Chase, you have three spots left going with two races to go, Darlington and Richmond. So you've got Chase Elliott is 69 points to the good. Matt Kenseth is 61 points to the good. And Jamie McMurray is 58 points the good. Now, Clint Boyer is the next one. He's the only other one within 100 points, 58 back. But if a new winner comes in, you have those guys, 69, 61, and 58, who are pretty close to each other. One of them's out. And so that that would be a, you know, gosh, Jamie McMurray is ninth in the points. And if there's a new winner, he's not going to make a 16-driver field. That's crazy. But uh,
1: I was thinking that for a while there, Eric Jones was gonna do it. Did you feel like this was his night? Yeah, for real, I really thought for a while he was gonna be the guy to beat, and if the cautions would've worked out right, there's a chance he could've been. Bush was just so strong at the end, it was hard to overcome, but it didn't completely surprise me. Uh, I, I cover a fair bit of late model racing coming up and through the years, and one of the things I always covered was the Winchester 400. It's this big late model race in Winchester Speedway, which is fairly similar to Bristol, it's a, it's a little older it's got a little more characters, little no safer barriers on the walls, but it's about the same speed-wise and handling-wise. And if you listen today in the press conference, Eric even said, "I drove this like it was Winchester." And I watched him win that race twice. That's a 400-lap race. So I know I knew going into it that Eric had what it took in a high-pressure environment to kind of keep his cool and run well, but for him to put that kind of performance on as a rookie in the Bristol Night Race, which in my mind is still one of the sport's marquee events was highly impressive now whether that leads to anything moving forward we'll see he's only got two races to try to win himself into the playoffs and these last two close calls really feel like they were his best shot but the fact that he's even running that good at all right now is something to be proud of especially as he runs for a team that knows that he's going to be leaving them at the end of the year yeah i you know the the
0: way the playoff picture is right now i just don't see any movement um i don't i think boyer is in trouble. He, he's not going to be able to get it done points wise. So somebody's going to have to win. And I don't, you know, it's tempting to say, Oh, Logano could win Richmond like he did in the first part of the year when he had the encumbered finish. But I mean, the problem is I, I just, they're not running well right now. I mean, uh, even at Bristol, someplace logano has been uh, good in the past. I mean, he was 13th tonight and I, I didn't even think he was that good for most of the night. So I have a hard time picturing a new winner at this point. Darlington is a a track that rewards the best, typically. Um, The best of the best. I mean, you did have a a Regan Smith win a few few years ago where he stayed out on old tires and was able to make it work. But for the most part, you're going to have a Truex win that race. You're going to have a Kyle Busch win that race. And then Richmond, I mean, it's going to be another Toyota Fest. And uh, unless it's Eric Jones or Suarez winning their way in, Um, I don't really see, I I can't see Boyer
1: or, or doing it. And you know, am I wrong? No, I don't think so. I really think the only chance you have moving forward for the playoffs to shake up is either if you get like a Suarez or a Jones that has some of that Toyota horsepower that's been so strong of late or at worst case scenario, if McMurray or Elliot or someone just has a total meltdown finishes like 32nd, two straight races, maybe, But even then, that would require a lot from Boyer or who's next – I mean, back after that, it's really just Boyer. Yeah,
0: there's there's nobody within 100 points after Boyer. I mean, Logano is 117 out or something like that. I mean, it's not even – it's crazy. You know, as much as we used to go to Richmond and everybody would get all fired up about the points, this win-and-you're-in thing um, and the way that the top guys who haven't won are so far ahead – uh, and with the with the amount of different winners this year that are not in the you know because I mean you look at Stenhouse he's 18th in points Casey Kane 20th Austin Dillon 21st they're all going to the playoffs and you know which is kind of crazy to think like Austin Dillon has been a non factor for most of the season it, it you know but um, you know they're, they're they're knocking other guys out and if you hadn't had those those three guys I mean even Ryan Newman although he's 15th in points but if you don't have those guys. You're looking at much more interesting playoff picture, perhaps, but uh,
1: you know, as far as the race for points, but that's just not the case this year. No, it's not. It's crazy. You know, you look at Clint Boyer, Any other year until this year, you would look at a guy tenth in points and go, "Oh, he's in. He's fine." And if you look at McMurray, even you know, the last few years he's been thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, and we've been, "Oh, he's just barely in the bubble. He's good to go." This year, he's had the best year probably since 2010 when he won a couple big races, and he's still right there on the playoff bubble in ninth. It's just it's unbelievable what's happened this year because all these surprise winners with Stenhouse – Dylan, Kane, it's really switched everything up and made it so challenging. And now you have this interesting dynamic coming up where you're going to have Boyer's going to need to try to win, probably win at the track where he had his spin gate incident that set him back in the first place. And then you're going to have Logano probably, that's probably going to have to win at the track whose encumbered win cost him the shot to be in in the first place. So all these guys who are right here trying to scrape their way in are going to have these wild storylines going into it. Yeah, you're
0: right. That's excellent, excellent points and insight uh by you on that cuz I I hadn't even thought about that. Um that's that's that writes itself as they say. And but it is fascinating though. We're looking at the standings here and I mean Clint Boyer is ahead of Jimmy Johnson in points. Jimmy Johnson who has 3 wins this year, but is 11th in points. He's ahead of Ryan Blaney. Um he's ahead of Kurt Busch. I mean, he's ahead of a lot of guys. He's a he is a playoff driver who won't be in the playoffs and that's uh That's just part of the system. I mean, everybody knows the rules going in, but it's still kind of crazy. Um, Let's talk about another guy who won't be part of the playoffs in all likelihood, and it's getting more and more disappointing. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I talked to him after the race. Man, I uh, can't remember seeing him more frustrated, hearing him more frustrated on the radio um, in the last couple years. And really, you know, he disagreed with me saying that it was the most frustrated he's been because he said it's frustrating every week right now. And there's no way to quantify frustration. It's all it all sucks basically, and uh, it's just getting kind of like depressing to watch this. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's very tough, and you have to consider. I, I mentioned earlier, as a child, I came as an Earnhardt family. My my parents transitioned on and mostly rooted for Junior. So I spent I've spent the last twenty years, give or take, listening to my parents cheer for him, go through the rise as he runs well, go through the falls as he struggles, and so I get first-hand experience with this, and I know it's been tough on them, it's been tough on a lot of his fans, but I don't think it's tougher on anybody than Junior himself. Yeah. We, I talked about it earlier, he knows the expectations, he accepts it, but he always wants to meet that. He wants to give them that run that they deserve, he wants to get them in victory lane, he wants to, I guess, especially in his retirement tour, he really seemed like he wanted to send things off in the right way with a victory, maybe a playoff berth, Lord willing, contend for a championship, and. The more the year's gone on, the more apparent it's become that that's not likely to happen. And that's not to say it couldn't. I mean, you look, the two guys right in front of them in points have each stolen a victory over the course of the year and got there. So I, I never rule it out until we reach the end. But I just, all year, I've, I've not really seen anything from that 88 camp outside of maybe Daytona to start the season where you really had that feeling that they could do something. And it's hard to imagine that's not terribly disappointing. Yeah, I, I
0: imagine it is. Maybe once they get into the playoffs and there's not that pressure of, are you going to make it, which I, I mean, I, I, clearly they're not running well enough at the, at the moment to even come, come close to it, even stealing a win. But, um, you know, maybe they get in the fall and, and they're just going all out and having fun and, you know, just enjoying his last few races. Maybe that makes a difference. I don't know, but you'd certainly hope for something good to happen to him before his career ends. Cause otherwise it just kind of, uh, It's just so disappointing, you know, compared to how Jeff Gordon went out making Homestead at the end and winning Martinsville, um, Tony Stewart winning Sonoma and getting to the playoffs, even though he wasn't having a great season. Um, I think Earnhardt deserves something cool like that to happen to him for all he's given the sport. And, uh, you know, you just hope to see something like that. Um, so as, as I typically do here, um, for when I have a young up and coming writer on the podcast, now you you actually covered the Kentucky race for jeffgluck.com and I thought you did a great job, especially on deadline. Um, but I asked people to sort of explain their story. So I will ask you to do that, but I just have to caution that I'm not trying to toot my own horn so you can leave me out of the part that like you think I contributed to just, just skip over that part. I, I don't, I'm, I just want to know your story,
1: let people know uh, who you are and how like you got here basically. Well, if they want to know that full backstory, I actually wrote a blog on my Medium account. If they know what that is, it's basically like Twitter for nerdy writers. So if they ever want to check out the full backstory, they can go there and see where I, I kind of suck up to you a little bit. It's fine, Jeff. You can take the credit. But No, I see. That's I, was, I, I, I just don't want it to toot my heart. You, you could have done it this completely
0: on your own. I, I don't think you needed my advice at all, but I, I appreciate the credit.
1: Of <laughs> course, of course. But anyways, I've watched the sport my whole life. And I went through a period in college, of all places, where I was in a lot of student groups, I was doing doing good in classes, I was working a full-time job, which you'd think that'd burn me out, make me not want to do anything, but I I was just missing that passion. And the one thing I've always loved is racing, so I was just, I was looking for something to do to kind of, I guess, approach that passion and find a way to interact with it. And I, I messaged an unknown writer, some guy I won't name, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and got the advice to kind of make a blog and try writing and it was something I started and just did it for fun at first didn't even think anybody was paying attention and I guess it's just slowly but surely built I wrote for a site called Front Stretch for a couple years now I write for Jerry Jordan and Kicking the Tires and I subbed for that unnamed writer a few a few weeks ago too didn't even get a hat out of it so disappointed (laughs) no I'm just playing but it's it's really been a whirlwind journey and you know three years ago I had never been to a non a Cup race, I'll say it at any track outside of Indianapolis Motor because 'Cause I've been going there since I was three years old for our IROC and then the Brickyard 400 starting in I think '98 or '99. Outside of that, I'd never been to a Cup race anywhere. And now I sit here and look, and I mean, I'm I, I just watched the Bristol night race. I mean, it it I know some people say the sport might be trending in the wrong direction or something, but for me, it's just beautiful to experience it all for the first time and see all these great fans, and even just have friends in racing to begin with, because that's something I've coveted my whole life, and now I, I really feel like I've gotten that. So the hard work definitely feels rewarded.
0: Well, I think you're doing a great job, because I remember you came up to me at Kentucky maybe a few years, or a couple years ago, and you were like, hey, you know, um, I'm Aaron Bearden, and I took your advice and started the blog, and I'm like, uh, I don't remember giving you advice. this advice I, I Maybe I did, sure, yeah, okay, great. No, yeah. uh, so, um, but I'm, I'm really glad you did. And, um, you know, the thing is that a lot of people ask for advice and things like that, and you can tell people to go that direction or to be a writer. But I think the thing is you were already, you're already a really good writer and you have a really good knowledge of the sport. So that combination of things, I think is gonna lead to a a great career for you, and I'm excited to see you just getting started here, so I want you to keep going and um, keep plugging away.
1: Well, as long as I survive this trip tonight and don't have to dump any water on my head, I can promise I'll keep doing that, Jeff, no problem. (laughs) Well, um, because you're probably on
0: the writing path, um, even though you love NASCAR, um, you may not need to go to Sam Tech, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Did you like that transition? Be because that's more uh, of a place where somebody can go who wants to learn about you know how to work on engines like cylinder heads and stuff like that that can get some more horsepower out of them and then they can end up on like an NHRA team, IndyCar team, um, a NASCAR team like Hendrick or Roush, and um, you know it, it. They could also go you know even even uh, like a high performance um, shop where they're working on really you know good cars. It's not just like the, I mean, not, not to bash any other, like the tech institutes out there where they're just like, Hey, you go work in like the Jiffy Lube type place. I mean, this is like, you they're trying to groom people for like the best of the best here. So, um, you know, like I said, you, you probably don't need to do the right, you know, to do that. Cause you're, you're on the writing path, but it's an option. I just want to let you know if it's out there or you could tell other people your friends that want to be in racing too.
1: Oh, for sure. I think it's so cool that they've hopped on this and supported you. That way I'm, I'm not the only one in the beat that's donating it all to Mr. Glucker. But now, it's really cool to me that they've stepped up and embraced you in this sense and that you've been able to embrace them in turns. And I think you're both doing great things together. And it's cool to see the plugs and have fun with it. But in, for real, it's cool to see people in racing working together like that. I think it's a beautiful thing. Thanks. Well, I, I appreciate it. And if anybody's interested um,
0: you can check out samtech.edu. Now, um, let's talk about what the, was it a good race poll will be tomorrow. When I wake up Sunday morning, which I'm sure most of you are here are going to be hearing this thing cause it's already the middle of the night. But, um, so when I wake up, I will post the, was it a good race poll about Bristol? This is going to be very hard because I think that it was an okay race was some okay battles for the lead at times. Actually, there's some good battles for the lead at times, but not consistently. And, of course, Kyle Busch won, which knocks the percentage down, I think, Aaron, probably 15% at least. I mean, people can't say it was a good race when Kyle Busch won. So I'll let you go first. This is so, This is so tough. What do you think the was it a good race poll results will be?
1: you know first at first when he first crossed the start finish line I looked and I saw him, I saw him win but I was like you know there was the great three car battle for the lead Jones was up there Kenseth was fighting and I was like people might still think this was a pretty decent race I mean there were a lot of lead changes and then he climbed on top of the car with a broom and swept confetti off his car whatever he was doing and all that and I was like up oh, there now they're mad they're going to get mad online about this one so honestly I was going to go somewhere around 70 at first, but post uh, post fabe when he went full heel there, to use a wrestling term, I, I would probably say it's probably going to be somewhere closer to the 60 to 61 range. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, Aaron, I'm thinking it's going to be a lot lower than
0: that. I'm thinking that it could potentially be, ooh, 45% or lower. Um, yeah, because people already don't like that Bristol is not the old Bristol. So they're already going to say there wasn't enough wrecks and all that stuff. The battle for the lead was between people like Toyotas that a lot of people don't like. And, um, you know, and then Kyle Busch wins and he taunts everybody about it. So, I, you know what? I'm I'm going to even go uh, 40%. Yeah, I know. It's pretty low. Now, last week, uh, somebody this week suggested on Twitter that I recap the results and see how we did. So, uh, last week I had Grayson Raz on the podcast, K and N driver from last year. And he predicted, I think, uh, 55% would say, yes, Michigan was a good race. And it turned out 54%. So he won, he beat me. And, um, so we'll see how you do and we'll see how I do. What did you say? 62 is where you landed on?
1: Let's go 61. Although, is this like, is this like price is right rules where if I'm like one over, I'm
0: no. it's just who's closer. You have no price is right, right? No price is right rules here.
1: (laughs) I'm going to probably pay for being an
0: optimist, but I'll I'll stick with 61. Okay. 61 for you, 40% for me. Now, uh, it's, we've done this for 30 minutes. It's well after 1am. Now you have a eight, whatever drive hour drive ahead of you where you will be pouring water bottles on your head potentially um what do you think should be the hashtag so that when you reach your destination safely we don't want you to tweet while driving but once you reach your destination safely what can people uh tweet to talk about this podcast that we did here
1: oh man well you know you've got me wanting to lean toward a water bottle thing but i thought of one before that that usually it fits my style pretty well at least so well, a lot of the times I'll tweet about like the world of outlaws or all these different series and they have their dominant drivers. So like Donnie shots will kill the field in the world outlaws race and I'll, I'll just put it breaking Donnie shots does Donnie shots things. So when I first thought of a hashtag for this first thing that came to mind was the hashtag Kyle Busch things because that was pretty much this entire weekend recapped in three words. Yeah, he did do a lot of Kyle Busch things this weekend. I mean wins the truck race
0: yells in your face truck race in Xfinity gets speeding penalty goes the back comes all the way back up through the front and then cup race um leads 156 laps does his thing so I would say Kyle Busch did Kyle Busch things so
1: hashtag Kyle Busch things uh may work out yeah I think I think that one works for me but do, do I need to like take a bow or something since he did all this is that is that required for the Gluck podcast when Kyle Busch kills everybody all weekend you could take a
0: bow. Let me see if I can get this on on record here. Let's see if I can. I don't know if there's any audio that comes along with taking a bow, but okay. So stand up here. All right. Are you, are you ready? I'm gonna try to record what a bow sounds like.
1: Okay. I'm bowing now. Can you hear? Can you hear? Maybe. Maybe.
0: No. I, I don't. I don't think that's what Kyle <laughs> Bush says when he bows. He did. You did bow, but
1: uh, it, it was a little uncomfortable because we're just in a room by ourselves. So you know. By the way, <laughs> you guys can't see this. I am freezing right now. I don't know if Jeff's notices, but for some reason this room is like 20 degrees cooler than everywhere else in the entire state of Tennessee right now. So I've been like shaking uncontrollably while trying to sip a cold Dr. Pepper. It's not a good combination, but uh, here I just thought you were nervous. Nah, man, I'm not going to lie. I'm not get too nervous
0: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. And where can people find you if they want to tweet you and not just the Kyle Bush things. Hashtag. <laughs>
1: Well, they're all going to want to flame on me for saying Bush was like Dale Jr., so maybe I shouldn't give this out. But uh, my social media pretty much everywhere is just AaronBearden93. I'm sure Gluck always seems like he ha- he tweets at the people when he posts these kind of things anyways at some point. So you can probably just find it through that. But if you are looking to find me, it's AaronBearden93 on pretty much everything, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, yada, yada, yada. And you can find his work at kickinthetires.net. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll
0: talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.